And welcome in to the Hitstick Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host for the evening, Mr. Michael Seta, joined as always by the one, the only, Ride Dog. What the fuck is up, Denny's? Oh, God, he's still doing it. And, of course, not the quarterback, Christopher Sims. How is it going? How is it going? It's going well. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing dandy. I got myself, uh, you know, my my buble bounce. Not a sponsor. What is that? Uh, my girlfriend describes it as drinking static. Yeah, it looks like White Claw without the... It's White Claw stuff. without alcohol, which I, that's 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 how my day's going. So anyways, you can follow <laughs> us on hits, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, any of the social medias, at HitStickFantasy, as well as our own personal Twitters, at Michael underscore Seta on Twitter. At the real Ryan Long on Twitter. I changed it. I took Seta's advice. I'm back to Hitstick Chris on Twitter. <laughs> Finally, Let's something go. that you can say out loud and it's spelled yeah, the same. Yeah, I'm tired of trying to uh, tell you guys about my uh, my lack of spelling. It's that Sims kid, but you got to forget the A and the You got to take the A out. Hitstick Chris on, on Twitter. That's where I'm at. Find there me. it is. There it is. There you, there you guys go. Hit Squad. So we got a big show planned for you guys today. We're going to be deep diving into the NFC South, one of the pretty funner divisions when it comes to fantasy football. So I'm pretty excited. It really is. There is a lot of fantasy relevant players in this division. So, let's get it started. God damn, that's funky. So, as we do every week, we're going to get started with a quick buy, sell, or hold NFC South edition. I just want to highlight, was that the first time that you ever pressed a button? That might have um, been. Yeah, I, I wanted to tell Ryan to play that funky music, white boy, but I just kind of went ahead and pressed it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got to be feeling good. Pressing the button, man, it's, 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 it's an exciting feeling. For sure, for sure. Well, like I said, buy, sell, hold, NFC South edition. First one first, pretty big name. We're going to start with Mr. AK-41, Alvin Kamara. I love him. Buy, sell, or hold? I am buying if I can. He's a hard buy. Or holding if I have him. Like, Alvin Kamara, he's awesome. Look, I think that, and I I agree. I am, it all, and for me, it kind of, so Alvin Kamara is right in that, um, that like, yeah, sorry about that technical That's difficulty, sweet, that like sweet spot where he's like, he's about, I think he's 25 years old I think he's going to be 26 years soon. So if you're not a contending team, I would be getting rid of him for a haul while you still can. But I think there's a lot of like people in the industry kind of down on him. And if you are a contending team, this is one of the big hitting running backs that you can buy. So I'm buying. For me, I'm uh, going to be one of those memes. Sell, 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 sell. <laughs> He's going Kramer. All right, Mad Money. So, yeah, I'm going to be a big sell here. I think we're going to get into these a lot when we go into the individual teams. So we'll just move on to the next player. A big NFC Souther for now. For now. Mr. Julio Jones. Buy, sell, hold. Uh, we got a capital. I mean, and like, we, can, we can take some time here because we're not, well, maybe a little bit. We're not going to really take a lot of time into Julio later. Julio is gone. Yes, he's not part he, of this division he, anymore. He has said it himself. He is gone, and with that comes a lot of value droppage. Whenever a player is moving teams, but it's uncertain where they're going, their value plummets, and that kind of sucks for a guy who's a top ten receiver when he plays. Well, and it's like it's right now. It's kind you kind of got to call your shot because right now he's he's pretty cheap. When he goes and signs with a new team, if the new if the hype train takes off. He's probably not going to be as cheap, and you don't really know if the risk is worth the reward. I still think I'm a sell. I am also a sell. Mostly because of injury history and age, and it just, for dynasty purposes, I don't think it bodes well for him, future-wise. I just think there's better 
players that you can go buy if you're a contending team. And if you're not a contending team, you just have no business having him anyway. Yeah, for me, I mean, Julio's a top talent. Don't get me wrong. Love him. Um, but just the situation makes me nervous. A couple of the teams that we've heard, um, you know, kind of like that big three that I keep hearing nonstop is the Ravens, the Titans, and the Colts. And two out of those three, I don't like them. If he goes to the Titans, I don't hate it. But that's just another thing, you know, to add to the list, you know, dynasty-wise, when you're talking age, you're talking injuries, you're talking all those things, I think I'm going to be selling to kind of get rid and capitalize while I can. Agreed. Yep. All right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. So we're going to move to the Hit Squad fan favorite section of the day where we're going to be talking our hits and misses for the NFC South. Alrighty. So as you guys remember, we're going to just pick hit or miss, keep track of this all year, and losers, buy a nice dinner. So getting started, number one. Already thinking about where that dinner is going to be. Because well, the I, winner gets to pick. I was going to say, I, I'll be picking, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think you, the one thing you, we can both agree can on think. is Ryan will be buying. Uh, we'll see about that. Well, we'll see how you answer this question. All righty. Starting with number one, Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston. Who starts the year under center? Jameis Winston. Number one overall pick. No brainer. Uh, yeah, um, I, I agree with you. But Sean Payton doesn't, so... Taysom Hill is my answer. We will talk Interesting. about Interesting. Well, I'm glad I'm not agreeing with Chris this time. So I'm going to go Mr. Famous Jameis, a.k.a. Crab Legs, is going to be starting week one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, still I, mean, think, I still think Taysom's going to have a role. He'll know, always have a role. But I, st- I still think that Jameis is going to be the main guy. We have, yeah, we have a segment dedicated to this. I'll so, be, be more than happy to explain. For sure. For sure. So number two, Mr. Lombardi Lenny, Leo Fournette, will outscore Rojo and half-point PPR formats in 2021. I'm going to go miss. I I like playoff Lenny, but Rojo seems to hit the sweet spot on Bruce Arians. He'll always have a role in that offense, and we saw playoff Lenny shine at the end of last year, and especially during the playoffs. So, And they brought him back for this year, so they obviously have a role carved out for him. But I think Ronald Jones will have the most usage in that offense. So hit so or miss? Otherwise. I'm going to say miss. All right, moving on, Chris. Hit. Leonard Fournette's outscoring Rojo. Ooh, bold move there. I'm going to go with Ryan here again, and I'm going to go miss. I just think it's a too big of a crowded backfield, and who knows who's going to be it. So I'm going to take, you know, all the other options over Leo Fournette. Keyshawn Vaughn will have the most out of all. That would be <laughs> wonderful. I'm thinking big Gio Bernard. Hey, did you see those quads? Oh, my God. Those are like multiple <laughs> muscles there. Oh, all right. man. So the last but not least, Kyle Pitts will be the top in the top five in half-point PPR formats. For tight ends, of course, in 2021. Miss. I'm going to go hit. I'm also going hit. Interesting. We got a departure of Julio on the way. We got an uptick in targets. I don't like Russell Gage. little uh, forecast for you for the Falcon section. Interesting. Which is next. Speaking of the Falcon section... Yeah! Oh, yeah! It's Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Alrighty, and we're going to be going in complete alphabetical order today. <laughs> Got it right this time. So, starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley ceiling without Julio Jones. Where do you guys think it's at? Which I think it's important to note right now. I'm trying to get up to date with this since you know we got best ball and 500 million things happening. Calvin Ridley right now is going about 20.7 overall. So in your typical 12 man leagues. Mid second round, mid to late second round. 
Really? That's the value that Calvin Ridley is at right now. And I think he's totally worth it. And I think he moves up yep. when Julio officially goes. Um, I mean, Ryan, you and I have had phone conversations about this. I, I think, and I, I don't think you're wrong. I think the ceiling for Calvin Ridley without Julio Jones is wide receiver one. Yeah, overall. Like, it's it's a no-brainer. He is one of the top talented guys in the league. He He's fine even with Julio on the field. You take Julio off the field, he is the focal point of that offense. I mean, and I don't, I, I don't have a way. I mean, I'd have to... Dig, dig a little deeper in this. I don't think he had a game where he played the full game without Julio Jones that he didn't have 100 yards at least. Yeah. Yeah. Last he, year. he was definitely a dominant fantasy asset. You guys know my love for Calvin. I, I projected him as in the first round this year. So I'm definitely going to say he's a first round ceiling guy. He's I Julio, think he but four, with touchdowns. Exactly. Yeah. And I just think that with like a lot of the coaching changes that they had going on this year, they got Arthur Smith, who likes to highlight his skilled players, whether it's A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, or they got the offensive coordinator from the Bears, a.k.a. AR-15 from the Bears. He was a dominant single receiver. I think the sky's the limit for Calvin Ridley this year. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to project him as number one. I'm not going to, like, it's not something I, that I absolutely think is going to happen, but I do think it can happen. I mean, there's still some guys that I like a little bit more than him. You know, once we get some clarity with Rodgers, I think without a doubt you have Devontae Adams there. I, I love Tyreek Hill over there. I still think Diggs' name comes in the conversation. I still like A.J. Brown. But right after that, you're looking at, in my opinion, Calvin Ridley, D.K. Metcalf, and DeAndre Hopkins. That's, in my opinion, the top yeah. seven receivers. Calvin Ridley should, without a doubt, be in your top ten, no matter what. Oh, if he's, yeah. You don't Even if Julio doesn't leave and he stays there, I still think Calvin Ridley should be in your top ten of wide receivers. Yeah, I would be one of those guys pulling that trigger around that first, second round turn if I could, just because I love him so Gladly. much. And I just think his potential is through the roof. And if you know people are missing on him, you're going to be able to capitalize in that second round. So moving on, is uh, is Mr. Kyle Pitts worth the risk to be drafted in the top six rounds? Which I can give you his exact ADP here. He's going about, he, he's right around the sixth round as of right now, but his hype train is steadily moving forward. And I, I, I think there's a world that Kyle Pitts ends up a fourth round pick this year come August draft time. And I don't know if that risk is worth that reward. Yeah, I mean, we saw the likes of Darren Waller and, you know, Mark Andrews in the past years going around that fourth, fifth. And I'm going to slightly disagree. I think that value is worth it. If I can get him in the fifth and sixth round, you know, I think he has the potential to be a top five. He has the potential to take over as the number one or even the number two in fantasy football tight end, especially in this offense, especially with Julio leaving. There's not that much compo in, you know, in Atlanta with for targets for touches you know you got Mike Davis at running back and that's about it and so I think Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts will be a dominant duo I think I like Kyle Pitts the player don't get me wrong but as in terms of redraft I think I'm going to take a wait and see approach like I'm not going to be reaching on him in drafts this year and a lot of people are so I can't imagine I'll be having him anywhere in any of my leagues but if he gets the usage and the talent matches up he could be a top five guy but they spoke up Hayden Hurst so high last year, and he finishes the tight end nine, which is great. He's an every week starter for you. He's he's worth the play, but he is not like. Would you take Hayden Hurst in the sixth round? In the fifth round? No, no. I there are other no. premium talented players you should get there who will be an every week starter for your team. I think my biggest thing though is with the head coaching change. I just think that with Arthur Smith going there, a lot of people think they're going to run the crap out of the ball because he gave Derrick Henry like five hundred and sixty catch or touches last year. I know it's a little over-exaggerating, but I just think he knows how to highlight the skill sets he has. So my whole thing is I love everyone on that Falcons offense this year. And I, I do too. And I, I, it's not like, you know, I just said 
hit on Kyle Pitts being in the top five. And I believe that's something that can happen. I wanted to be a little bit bold in that. For me, it's all about value, though. When you're talking about a draft, it's all about perspective of value. And, you know, if he's in the sixth round, I, I'd i be willing to take a flyer on that. Now, I don't think that happens come August draft times when all of our drafts are. I do think Kyle Pitts is going to creep up into the fourth round. And in my opinion, I'm not going to pass on a sure thing wideout to boost my team, to take a risk on a rookie tight end. Historically at the position, it takes you know, two to three years for them to come into their own. Every top-notch athlete tight end has been that way. I'm not going to invest that fourth-round pick in him when I can invest my eighth or ninth-round pick in a guy like Dallas Goddard that I think has just as much upside or my seventh-round pick in a guy like TJ Hawkinson who I think has more upside for this year. That And that's what it all comes down to. I just think the hotness of Kyle Pitts has gotten out of control and – He's going to be going before guys like Hawkinson, maybe Mark Andrews, you know, and he shouldn't be because I know what I'm getting in Mark Andrews and Hawkinson. There's a lot of mystery with Pitts. So yeah. sixth round value, fourth round, eh. fifth round, probably not. My, my biggest thing with him is when, when you get down to it and you're in that like last four of the playoffs and you're looking around at every team, most teams, when you get that far, you make it to the playoffs, you have decent running backs, you have decent receivers. Usually those difference makers are who does the person have at quarterback and tight end. And I think for me, one of those things I realized is I'm going to put a little bit more value in both of those positions going forward. And I think that's a fair, you know, that was definitely a big lesson that we learned last year. And I I agree with everything you said. It's just, I'm going to, if I'm going to do that though, in the top five rounds of my draft, I'm getting the sure thing. I'm taking Waller. I'm taking Kelsey. I'm taking Kittle. That's what, and I, I don't, and I hate George Kittle because what he did to me last year. But if I'm investing a top four round pick on a tight end, it's one of those guys or it's none of them. Exactly. Because Kyle Pitts, yes, he very well could be a Travis Kelsey, but it's not likely his rookie season. And he could very easily be Hayden Hurst. And as you said, imagine investing a fourth round pick in Hayden Hurst. Exactly. And I'm not willing to risk that when I can get a guy like Justin Jefferson in that fourth round. A guy like, you know, Terry McLaurin is probably going to be in that range this year, maybe a bit earlier. A guy like, I'll reach on Mike Davis in the fourth round before I take Kyle Pitts. I would too. Wow, that's bold. So moving on, what can we expect from Mr. Matt Ryan without Julio Jones this year? Um, I mean, he still has Calvin Ridley, so I think you can expect the same out of him. He's a guy who could be the QB2 or he could be the QB20. Like, that's just been his career. He is... He's so off and on, but he's more often on, if that makes sense. So he, he'll be just fine. He'll be a streaming type of guy. You know, he doesn't have the legwork to be a top-tier guy every week, but he'll be just fine, I think. I so, oh, go, no, go, off, go for it. I was going to read off an interesting stat here because I don't know if he's going to be the same guy. So I And I get, look, you don't lose points for Matt Ryan's turnovers when you have Calvin Ridley, but if you have Matt Ryan, you obviously lose points for those. Matt Ryan, without Julio Jones has a passer rating of 88.6. It's not that great. He's got 39 touchdowns and 25 interceptions in 25 games without Julio Jones. It's not terrible numbers, but it's it's not really good numbers. I mean, I don't think you got to pay up to get him. So in terms of getting him, it's like your QB2 or like, you know, even in Superflex, if you get him as your QB2, there's definitely upside there. But I don't think we get the same ceiling from Matt Ryan without Julio Jones. And I think the ceiling is 90% of the appeal in taking Matt Ryan. Is exactly. those 40, 50-point games that he just comes out of nowhere with. I think those take a, a little bit of a shot 
you know, in the downward direction when you take away a guy like Julio Jones. But if you're getting a guy who throws the ball 600 times a year, like that's that's a lot of volume. I mean, but who's to say they're going to throw the ball that much this year? I mean, they added Mike Davis. I, I think you're going to get – I mean, that defense isn't going to do him any favors. But, but they've had Todd Gurley. They've had Devontae Todd Freeman in the, fa- in the past. Devontae Freeman was the number one running back that year that he broke out, his rookie year. Which he did a lot of that in the passing game, though. But he did a lot of it in the running game, too. Yeah. And so, Mike Davis is a great receiving back yeah, as well. Exactly. Like, And they had uh, – what's his name? Now I'm drawing a blank. Coleman. Oh, Tevin, Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, they had, the, they had both of them. Yeah, yeah, like Matt Ryan will always have some kind of value. Like if he is your QB two in Superflex, that is not a panic move at all. That is, oh, that's good. I'd be sitting comfortable. See, but I'd me, rather not roster him. I see Matt Ryan finishing in the top ten this year in fantasy football. Exactly. And my main thing is, I don't think Tannehill is that great of a quarterback. But you saw two back to back career years with Arthur Smith at the helm, as well as career years from AJ Brown as a rookie and a sophomore. Derrick Henry has had his best two seasons there. He knows how to utilize those guys. And I just think that, you know, we're going to see another career year from a former MVP who's even better than Tannehill skill-wise. I mean, you definitely have a good point with the coaching change. Uh, it's, for me, I, I just don't, I don't see top 10. I, I think that he's somebody that, you know, if you get him as your second quarterback, you're going to be sitting all right. And I do think he's going to be good. But I think it's, like I said, for me, it just comes down, I think he loses a little bit of that ceiling. It's hard to take away a guy like Julio Jones and not expect some kind of a decline. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing is, you know, they added Jalen Mayfield, who's another bolster to their offensive line in the draft, as well as pretty much everybody besides Pitts and Mayfield from Michigan. They drafted straight defense. I think their defense is going to be a little bit better than last year. We'll hopefully keep them in those games that were blowouts where they kind of gave up last year. Hopefully they can stay competitive in those games and still continue to fight it out. All right. Yeah, I can't hate it. So. All right. So moving on, we got uh, Russell Gage. Yes? No? Maybe? Yes. No. No. Why do you say no? Because he's not good. He doesn't have to be good. I just think that I don't mind taking pieces of the offense, but Russell Gage is going to be that one who's overhyped and overvalued in drafts where you can get, you know, Zacharias or whatever his name is off the waiver wire if he does start to become the starter. And who knows, you know, who is actually going to be that number two, number three slot receiver. I think it's going to be a one-two pony with Kyle Pitts and, and Calvin Ridley. So, I'm going to stay away from most of those guys. I don't think you need to stay away from him, though. He had nine double-digit games last year for fantasy points-wise. He finished as the wide receiver 37 overall. He is a great fill-in for whenever one of those top pass catchers goes out. So if Julio gets traded, Russell Gage is lining up on the other side of Calvin Ridley. He'll have great usage. He'll be a wide receiver three at worst. You make a valid point. I just, for me, I, I don't, I, it's Calvin. He's not, he's not Julio. I'm not expecting yeah. Russell Gage to come in and be a top 10 guy, but he is a tremendous value. I just worry that, I mean, it, it, for me, it all depends on where the value is. If I'm getting Russell Gage in the 11th or the exactly. 12th You're round. getting him in the 11th But you don't know round. that because once, once Julio is officially gone, I mean, and as of right now, his ADP is not even fair to bring up right now because it's going to be drastically different once Julio is officially out the but door. But it might not be. Nobody thinks about Russell Gage except me. You do think about him quite a lot. I think about him so much. And yet, for some reason, you don't like like Jamison Crowder. See, Gage is in a better spot. He's got a better quarterback. I don't know about I don't know about Russell Gage mainly because I just you know like what Ryan highlighted is when the guys go out, he does fill in well, and I kind of agree with that. But I can just think that you know in that tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, I'm trying to get guys who are standalone valuable, and if I can get that and maybe pick the guy up off of waivers, you know, in week one, week two. I'd rather hold suit and get that guy who has standalone value. I don't think Russell Gage does. I don't really think he does either. But if Julio is gone and he's lining up on the field and he's playing 80-plus percent of snaps, 
he has tremendous value. Tremendous. All right. So moving on to the last pretty much fantasy relevant player on the Falcons. What is Mike Davis's outlook in 2021? And what kind of value do you guys think he you know brings to your team? He's a tricky one to kind of gauge because he was awesome when he came in for CMC last year. He's kind of floated around the league a lot and he's been fine wherever he's gone. If he is the lead back in this, I mean, he's got high upside RB2 potential if he gets the full workload. Like, I, it's not crazy to see. So I, Do you know who their backup running back is right now? Is it uh, Ito Smith? Or cut. Is it, no, cut. Cut? Ryan Hill, cut. Brian. Javian Hawkins. It is, on their depth chart via ESPN, Cordero Patterson. I forgot they is did the get backup Cordero running back. Okay, well, we saw Cord- Cordero Patterson did with the Bears last year as backup running back, and it wasn't very good. It so was nothing. I will ride the Mike Davis train. I will ride that into RB2 territory all day. So... I think Mike Davis, and this is my outlook on Mike Davis, and this is coming from my perspective, which you guys know how I play the game of fantasy football. It involves a lot of trades. I look at it like the stock market. I love Mike Davis. He is my favorite. I mean, you're looking at a guy right now. He is going at RB29. David Johnson is being drafted before Mike Davis as of today. I expect that to change. Oh, yeah. But I love Mike Davis. You get him in those fifth, those sixth rounds, as a solid third RB or even a fourth RB or an RB2 if you're loaded at receiver, however the top four rounds go, you know, if you if you invested one of those early picks in a tight end or a quarterback and you weren't out there, you get Mike Davis to save you. Now, Ryan, what you just said factors completely in to my analysis here because we saw him be great for the first half of the year and then we saw him fizzle out. And I don't think he has the stamina. What was his fizzle out though? He, he, I mean, he did, he wasn't he, putting up CMC numbers. Well, he wasn't putting up CMC numbers to begin with. But no, he, but he was putting up top tier numbers. Eh. He was RB one territory. He was he, putting up double, like almost twenty point weeks, wasn't he? I was relying on him in a playoff run, and so was Seta, and we both fell short. Yeah, that'll yeah, happen. He, he had a couple of like eight, seven, eight point games, and you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting much out of Mike Davis. So if I'm expecting him to get around that ten to twelve every week, I can almost guarantee you there's going to be a few weeks where he doesn't get a couple catches. He doesn't score that touchdown, and he just kind of drops below that 10-point range. Yeah. So that's where I'm kind of looking at him for my value. I would love him as a flex, as my RB3, to fill in when I need him, or if I have better matchups on the receiving, that's where I want him at. In the last nine weeks of the year, he only topped 10 points twice. That's brutal. And 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 this is my point. I think Mike Davis is a great value. You draft him in those mid-rounds, you ride him for the first half of the year, and then you sell high. Not That's what I idea. like about Mike Davis because people are going to be like, "Holy shit, that was the that was the hotness." That, I can't believe the value. We've seen Todd Gurley, we've seen Devonta Freeman, we've seen all these running backs in Atlanta be great, and you flip him mid-season, coming up on your bye weeks. You know, Mike Davis is the perfect player to go out on a team that is has a middle of the road record and is desperate for a win, and their stud running back is in bye week. They're as a bye week, and they need a win this week. You take Mike Davis, you package him with somebody else, and you get that stud. You build your team for a playoff push. I think Mike Davis holds a lot of value for that. I like it. Anything else on the Falcons, boys? No, sir. I think that's it for the Falcons. Alrighty, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. So, is it safe to put CMC right back in the one-on-one of your drafts? Yes, absolutely. In a heartbeat, without a doubt. I'm nervous, to be honest. For what? I just think that if you are slotted for that one-on-one... You're set. You can take that. You can take CMC. If you're trading up, it's a little nerve-wracking for me because I'm in the potential to try to do that in one of my startups, and that offense could just look different, and it could look worse. And so 
I think he's definitely one of the top three, top five backs. But it just makes me a little bit nervous for a guarantee one-on-one spot. If, but if you're sitting at one-on-one right now, you're taking CMC, right? I am, without a doubt. I mean, you, when you say it can get worse, how much worse can it get? Well, you I can mean, have 24-point weeks every week instead I, of 35? I mean, that's, we, so, you know, because last year, I think last year it was more concerning than it was this year because last year we had a new coaching staff, and we didn't know if they were going to utilize CMC Teddy the same way. The and we saw I mean, this man played three games last year. He scored 27 points, 22, and 32. He literally dropped over 20 in all three games. The Carolina coaching staff is all about feeding him the ball. He also got hurt in those games. In two of those games, he got hurt and missed time. And still put up RB1 numbers. He was never not a top 10 RB. I just think that the offense is a big question mark this year. I with, agree. With Darnold taking over. I agree. Now, I originally thought Darnold coming there, okay, it can be worse than Teddy. He'll at least be able to push the ball down the field, open up some running lanes for CMC, as well as check the ball down to him. That's why he's such an elite fantasy player because he gets those catching work. He actually has a worse yards per attempt than Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I don't know if that helps or hurts his you know, his value, CMC, but I don't know. It could look completely different with a new quarterback coming in. Some quarterbacks just don't pass the ball to the running backs, even if they are you know, if it's only those schemed up plays like the screens and those kind of things, then that's per- that's that's okay. But I want him to be catching the ball, you know, five, six, seven, eight times a game if I'm going for him one on one. Which I think he will be. He like it's it's hard to say there's a player to project the workload like there is with CMC. Like you know, CMC is going to get the ball so like. 25 I mean, even t- if times they again. dial it back, though, I'm okay with that. Bring mm-hmm. it down a little bit to keep him on the field. Because, and, you know, and I like Chuba Hubbard. I like the guys that they have there. I'm fine with them take, giving him a slightly reduced workload. I see Aaron Jones is a 50% snap percentage guy that puts up RB1 numbers from week to week. CMC doesn't need 25 yeah. carries to win you your week. And losing Curtis Samuel hurts that offense. They need to, like, those targets and those gadget-type plays will be filtered out to other players. And CMC will be the prime guy getting those and, and I keep going I was gonna say the one thing that the one thing I will highlight with kind of what said I was saying the only thing that does concern me with Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold because I watched a lot of Sam Darnold he does set his running backs up to take some licks when he's oh, throwing yeah. to him he, like he he got Le'Veon Bell hurt a few times so that's something that's a little concerning but for me especially from a redraft perspective where you know there's really not a lot of trading up and all that stuff before the draft I have no problem. CMC, Sharpie, 101, and I'm pumped about it. And if he slips past that, I'm even more pumped about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You, I don't think you can go wrong with it. I'm just nervous that Sam Darnold's hot route is going to be that slot receiver instead of the running back that's been, you know. And the last thing I'll hit on is I think their defense is going to be a lot better this year. They had some decent pieces, and all they did was add to it. They added J.C. Horn. They added Daquan Adding Jones. Horn is huge. They added, um, who was the other guy? They had? Oh, they added Hassan Reddick, who had like 16 sacks last year. So I think their defense is going to be a little bit better, maybe a little bit more contested games and not so much as those, you know, high shootout games that, you know, we came to expect from the Panthers every week in and week out. So moving on here, is Sam Darnold an upgrade over Teddy B? And can, <laughs> can Sam take the team to the playoffs? Okay, I'm going to say no on the second part of that question. <laughs> I think you I know, could no even finish the question. I could even finish. You the didn't question. have to. the The division still runs through Tampa Bay, so and, and don't I forget about Narlins. And Narlins is a good team, so I don't Narlins. see them hunting for a wild card spot. As far as an upgrade, I'm not going to say it's an upgrade. I'm going to say it's a higher ceiling. I think Sam Darnold is real raw when it comes to quarterbacks. He is turnover prone. He is bad decision prone. 
but he also makes some great throws. I mean, is it fair? To, but this is the first time we're going to see him without Adam Gase holding him back. True. That's big. I mean, because Adam Gase ruins. I mean, look what Ryan Tannehill's doing. Everybody thought he was washed up, hot garbage, trash, and then he got away from Adam Gase. Look what happened. Exactly. I was the biggest like I wanted Sam Darnold to the Browns that draft, up until right before the Baker Mayfield pick when they said it was Baker, and I started watching Baker. And I'm like, okay, I, I can like I can dig this. So I fell in love with Baker. But yeah, I, I was a Sam Darnold guy. I, I was saying they should have took Josh Allen. Turns out I was right. I mean, I mean, in terms of scheme guess, fit, we'll see. We'll we'll see how far they get this year. But anyways, I just think you know, hopefully it's what you guys are saying. Hopefully it's the Gase effect. And if it is, then that. Offense can be lethal. If not, I like Roby Anderson, and that's about it. That's his guy. He brought him in from New York. Like, you know, they already got the connection there. So we'll see how that goes. But DJ Moore versus Roby Anderson, who do you guys prefer? Absolutely. Without a doubt, it's easy. I don't even have to think about it. It's definitely not Roby Anderson because it's DJ Moore. I'm going to go, as far as 2021-2022 season goes, I think I'm going to go Roby. Yeah, have fun with that. Enjoy watching DJ Moore just rack up the slot targets all day from Sam Darnold. Is there see, any guarantee he's the slot guy? I don't see a world where he's not. You don't see a world where Terrace Marshall takes over I as the slot guy? I don't think Terrence Marshall's taking the slot. And even if Terrence... T- DJ Moore is not going to... Terrence Marshall's not going to be on the field over DJ Moore in any set. It's just not going to happen. They're going to move him around. DJ Moore is just a utility knife. You can put him anywhere. He's the best receiver on this team, and it's not even close. Behind Robbie Anderson. Not behind Robbie Anderson. I still think Wide receiver been... 19 versus wide receiver 23. I, you can th- talk about <laughs> Keep living in 2020. I'm going to move forward into 2021, where DJ, I mean, you're looking at a first-round drafted player for a reason, and he's done nothing but prove that he has the talent to be an elite, dominant receiver in the NFL. I still think that every single year we're waiting for DJ Moore to take that next jump. And I still haven't seen it. I still think he's very good. I think he's worth, you know, maybe a top five round pick. But I don't know if that's a guy I would reach on. I'd rather stick with the value of Roby Anderson a little bit later on in the draft, personally. And Agreed. I, I, well, and I could agree with that. I don't think Roby's going to be bad. So if you look at where the ADP lies, if you can get Roby Anderson in, like, the eighth round compared to DJ Moore in – you know, the fourth round, I'm all for that because I'm about value. That's what I live and die on. And let's see where we got here. So DJ Moore right now is the wide receiver 25. I would have to assume that Roby is below that. Yeah, Roby Anderson is down to wide receiver 35 on ADP at this moment in time. So there is a sizable difference there. And I'm not going to knock that strategy because you should still get production from Roby Anderson. He had a good year last year. But... I think I think that DJ Moore is going to be the primary beneficiary in this wide receiver room with this change from Darnold. I think they're going to scheme plays to him. I think that DJ Moore is going to soak up more of the Curtis Samuel targets than any other receiver on this team, and I think he's going to benefit from. Him. I see an increase in you know market share, and I see more production, and I know he has the talent. So I I'm all in on DJ Moore this year. Yeah, and real quick, they added another offensive tackle from the best offensive line producing college in the world, Notre Dame, Brady Christensen, a offensive tackle. So hopefully they'll have a little Better bit than more. Wisconsin? Uh yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> Definitely. Um, at least over the last five, six, <laughs> ten years, you know. I mean, I, I love Joe Thomas, don't get me wrong. But I, I think Dan, Darnold will be a little bit better off, you know, having some time, not being able to see the ghosts and stuff out there with that decent offensive line. I just I still think that it's Roby. And I still think he's going to be the number one guy. And I just, I would like gladly miss on DJ Moore not taking that jump because I don't know if it's guaranteed. 
I mean, I I don't blame you for that. I really don't. I just, for me, I'm going to call my shot on DJ Moore, and that's that's what I'm going to do. I think that this is the year that we finally see him move forward. And I'm not going to say he's going to be a wide receiver one, but he's definitely, in my opinion, going to be a high-end wide receiver two. All right, for sure. Well, going on with another one of the receivers, he bounced. Curtis Samuel, gone. So with the departure of him, is the rookie Terrence Marshall worth it, or can he have a year one impact? He he's more prospect level for me. I I like Terrace Marshall. I think he'll be good, but I, he is also a wait and see approach type of guy for me. I'm not going to be draft. I'm not going to be reaching on him. But if he falls to me in a round that I like, like back ends of redrafts, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think he's a better dynasty hold than anything. If in dynasty, I'm all for him. I want him on all my dynasty teams, and ironically, I don't have him on any. But I I don't know how much I like him in redraft. Uh, you know, I mean, and un, unlike Seta, I actually I have concerns with this defense. I don't think they're ready to take that leap yet. So I do think there's going to be a lot of increase in targets. But I also I'm not going to discount the fact that Curtis Samuel saw a lot of his target share last year because of the injury that happened to Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is going to command 100 plus targets from this offense, and that's going to take away from the third guy in the receiving core, in my opinion. Which the odd man out is obviously Terrence Marshall. So. I agree with you. Keeper purposes, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next year. Maybe they get out from Roby. You can take them on the back of your draft and kind of take a wait-and-see approach. But at the same time, what I don't like about taking Terrence Marshall at the back of my redraft leagues, and this is, you know, because, I mean, you were even talking about Mike Taglier the other the other week and something he highlights a lot, and it's, it's just so true. With those back-end picks in your redraft leagues, you need to be taking guys that you can cut week one, that you're going to find out what you have in them Week one off the rip because that week one, week two waiver wire frenzy, that's the most important time to hammer that waiver wire. And I don't, Terrence Marshall, you're not going to know what to do with him after week one. He's a hold. So I'd rather completely bypass Terrence Marshall, wait for the owner to get frustrated and cut him, and then just pick him up midseason when DJ Moore or Roby Anderson gets hurt. That's my approach with that. Yeah, I could see it. I think the biggest thing helping Terrence Marshall's, you know, stock is he's going to a team that knows him well. And that's Mr. Joe Brady, who's the offensive coordinator, who was the offensive coordinator at LSU when he had 10-plus touchdowns for them. And I think he's a red zone machine. I think he could definitely hold value year one, specifically on the touchdowns alone. And as soon as that receiving core gets a little bit smaller, you know, Dynasty, I think he's a perfect ad. Yeah, and that's I agree with everything you just said, Seta. For me, it's just I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a slow start. I'd rather wait and just buy them super cheap or pick them up for free. Yeah, for sure. All right, so last one with the Panthers. Is there any tight end you guys are interested in in rostering in Carolina? No. Nope. Not even not even thinking about it. I played the Chris Herndon game with Sam Darnold for too many <laughs> years. He's He just doesn't like targeting tight ends, and whether that changes this year, I don't think it produces like a top 10 guy, so no, I don't I mean, think who does They have what, Ian Thomas and Tremble? Yep. Isn't that their setup right now? And it doesn't and, intrigue me at all. And Tommy Tremble played a lot of fullback in college too, so I think he can be used as like that, you know, swing guy, block. blocking back, moving him, you know, into the backfield a lot too. So I think they have enough skilled positions to not have a, you know, decent fantasy option at tight end. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So moving on to team number three. We're on to Cincinnati. Um, no, we're on to New Orleans, but <laughs> close enough. So, Did you guys see Tom Brady tweet at uh, Drew Brees, and he says, I've been wondering for years why Drew Brees doesn't call him, um, what was it, Drew Orleans Saints? 
He's been a troll on Twitter lately. Uh, dude, Tom Brady outside of the Patriots is fucking amazing. I, I love, love Tom Brady now. He's awesome. I used to hate him, but now that he like actually tweets and talks on social media, I love Tom Brady. He went and won a ring without Belichick. I, he has all my respect in the world now. He's the uh, goat. He's the goat. Yeah, I hate to say it. That's it's probably true. <laughs> Alrighty, so getting started here. Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston. Who deserves the starting job? Who's going to get it? So we talked about who we think is actually going to start week one. Who do you guys think deserves it the most? Jameis Winston. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's that's my problem. Is Without a doubt, Jameis Winston deserves this job. Jameis, Jameis Winston should have it. He's not going to get it. He's just not. I, I've seen it's and it's all Sean Payton. I don't know what it is. Which I don't know what Taysom Hill knows about Sean Payton that no one else knows, and he's threatening to leak. I don't know what he's holding over his head, but he had the chance all last year to put in Jameis over Taysom Hill, and he didn't. Any chance that Sean Payton gets to put Taysom Hill on the field, he takes it. He loves this kid. I don't understand why, but I, I think Winston should have the job. I fully project. Taysom Hill to have the job. Yeah, but that's a different situation where your starting quarterback goes down and maybe Jameis doesn't know the system too well. Maybe, like, there's a lot of things that could be working against it. This is now year two of him in the New Orleans system. He is a former number one overall pick. He is a practically 5,000-yard-a-year passer with 40 touchdown upside and, I mean, granted, 30 interceptions that's, that, that's the problem, 30 yeah. interceptions. Yeah, and we'll talk about how he got LASIK and he's awesome now. But <laughs> can no, see now. Jameis Winston will be the starter. He is he is the quarterback of that team. He is – Taysom Hill is – he's a gadget player. He is a hike the ball to him and run it right up the gut. He is the hike the ball to him and fake run up the gut and maybe pass it to the tight end. He and is, why do they put a second-round tender on him, though, is my question. And why do they pay him the way they paid him? Because they paid Taysom because Hill. Because they like the way they he didn't plays. pay Taysom Hill anything. I know they stretched his contract out and did you know some witchcraft to make it seem like and all that, but they still put a second round tender on this guy. Yeah, people put second round. We put a second or third round tender on Duke Johnson like two years ago. Like that's just what happens. You put tenders on guys when you want to keep them because you like what they can do for your team, but also if anyone happens to sign them, you're not going to worry because you're getting a draft pick for it. Yeah, I'm not. I, I I think you're right with your logic. I think you're right in everything you're saying. Unfortunately, I don't think Sean Payton feels the way you do. Yeah, I just think that. Personally, I'm going to stay away from most New Orleans Saints this year. I think that their offense is going to take a big, big dip, and they're going to be, you know, the Chicago Bears of last year where they were just defensive team because they added a bunch of defenses in the draft except for Ian Book's dusty ass, and that's about <laughs> it. I just – I'm not liking any of the New Orleans options, even at quarterback. I still think Jameis deserves it the most, but I still don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think by the end of this year, they're going to be moving on and trying to draft somebody in the next year's draft. Oh, I agree. I, I'm 100% with you there. Now, I'm not there with you because I think, I mean, what you even what you just said, they're going to be the Chicago Bears of last year. You mean the Chicago Bears that produced the RB4 on the year and the wide receiver 9 on the year? I still think that these skill players are going to have value. I still love Alvin Kamara. I think Mike Thomas could be a value. I, I don't really have much for anything else there. I mean, I like, we're going to talk about Troutman here in a little bit. I, I really like him, but for me, it's Sean Payton. And for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to know how to start the right quarterback, but it doesn't seem to matter. He knows how to make that offense relevant. And I, I think that Michael Thomas is a bit of a risk, but I'm all in on the running game this year for New Orleans Saints, because they are going to lean on these running backs because that's what the, that's what the new best part of the offense is going to be. And I trust Sean Payton to get the best, to get the most out of his players. So, I like the running backs. So, the biggest difference to me, though, compared to the Bears is these guys are like Kamara and Michael Thomas. They're going to be going in the top three rounds. 
no one on the Bears except for AR-15 is going that high. And I don't think that, like, they're, my biggest thing with the Saints this year and all of their offensive weapons is they have that potential to finish as a top, you know, 24 at their position. Both of those guys do. But they also have the chance to drop off dramatically without a Hall of Fame quarterback running the running the show anymore. And I think they have too big of a, like, a immediate outcome of what can actually happen. So I'm going to probably be staying away from those guys. Well, I mean, and here's my, here's my comment to that is, I mean, yeah, what you just said on paper is true. But I, I, if you're asking me my opinion – was Drew Brees better than Winston or Taysom Hill last year? Because he looked like garbage. He was better for the players around him, but he I wasn't better for that. his own solo fans. He couldn't purposes. throw the ball longer no. than 15 yards. No, but that's right up Michael Thomas's street. That's right up Alvin Kamara's street. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. He's better than James Winston by a landslide, even last year. Even this year, I don't care. I'd put Drew Brees in over him. The only thing James Winston would have helped was maybe getting Traquan Smith some more touchdowns. Yeah, fair enough. That's it. So is Michael Thomas primed for a 2021 bounce back? Well, we know your answer. And are you comfortable with him <laughs> as your wide receiver one? Yes and no. I'm not going to say I'm comfortable <laughs> with him as my wide receiver one, but I will have him as my wide receiver one. I think he will fall because of injuries last year, because of a lack of production, but we've seen what Michael Thomas can do when he is on the field for a full season. He is a target machine he is a production machine he was he was the wide receiver one going into last year for yes. a good reason he is awesome as a player he is a great wide receiver he runs great routes he is he's so smart michael thomas rules but with the lack of answers at the quarterback position that will create a lot of bubble gut when it comes to having him as my wide receiver one yeah and for me you know so michael thomas right now going as wide receiver nine about the first pick in the third round on average. Give me that all day. And I I think there's a chance, you know, that could be a value because I don't see him being worse than a wide receiver too. There's not another wide receiver on this team that can take targets away from him. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Traquan Smith, well, we've been waiting for that to be a thing for how long now? And when I say waiting for that to be a thing, I mean literally anything. He's not even flexible. And... Yeah, I like Troutman because I've seen Sean Payton utilize a tight end. We're, you know, we're going to deep dive into these guys later. But if you take Michael Thomas in the third round and you walked out of your first two rounds with two dominant running backs, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that risk. Yep. I think that's okay. Now, I think that's the scenario that I'd want Michael Thomas. I don't know because, like, I'm looking at guys, you know, right after him and, like, I'm seeing Justin Jefferson. I'm seeing Terry McLaurin. And I think I would want those guys over – Michael Thomas, because I think they're going to take steps forward. That's something that I'd consider. That's, I mean, you guys all know how I feel about Terry McLaurin, but uh, I think it's it's tough to gauge, but I do think Michael Thomas could be a value this year because everything you just said, he is such a skilled player, and that is the reason why I'm not off on the skill on the Saints' skilled position players because they are just so good. All right, well, moving on. I don't think he's going to bounce back real quick, though, just to you know reiterate my point. Um, I'm just I'm staying away from him. I just don't trust it. I think Jameis was able to keep two good receivers in Tampa with Godwin and Mike Evans, but they didn't have a defense. New Orleans Saints has a very, very good defense. So that's the biggest thing I'm worried about is it's not going to be shootouts with that that defense. It, they're just a too good of a team to, you know, run up the scores. And I don't know if Jameis Winston can bring them back. But um moving it moving on. Um are we concerned with Alvin Kamara at all for twenty twenty one with a quarterback change? You know, I'll get started first. You guys have heard my take on it. I am definitely worried about it. And the biggest thing is I think Alvin Kamara's biggest asset to him and uh, his fantasy production is those schemed up 
pass plays that he can break and take off. You know, he like Chris was highlighting before the podcast. He had six, almost seven touchdowns in a game before. That's unreal. It's you know he's a very good athlete. I just I don't know if that top five is his ceiling this year. You know, he has the potential to hit it, but I don't know if he's going to hit it with this kind of an offense, and it makes me too nervous. I don't think the lack of breeze should worry you off of Alvin Kamara. They're giving him almost $20 million a year. Like, he is paid. He is going to be that offense all on Alvin Kamara's back. He is so good as a player. He is great up the middle. He's great on the outside. He's great in the passing game. He is great wherever you put him. Alvin Kamara is, in my mind, the most talented running back in the league. I wish he was in a better position because he would be – the consensus number one every year. If he was in Carolina, if he was in McCaffrey's position, he'd be doing the same thing. See, I just think that with the change of offense, the addition to all the defense, the injury history, it, there's only like, I don't know if he can outplay where he's at. So that's why I'm going to be staying away from Kamara this year. No, but he can't have that big of a drop off from where he's at either. That's I think he's a safe pick. That's why I like yeah. him. He, he's more of a value pick because people will, people do lean more towards CMC, towards Dalvin Cook, towards Derrick Henry, towards... Some of those other top big name guys, even if like if somebody took Zeke over him, like that's mind boggling to me. Like Alvin Kamara should not be undervalued as he is. And there's there was only four games last year where he had less than five targets. And he I mean, and he is so electric, so quick, so shifty, and he's strong. He's a, a powerful running back that is just shifty that he I would not consider him a powerful back, but I mean, but if you watch him just destroy people, I, I I've seen I, I don't you know, and I've been amazed because when I you know over the last few I've doubted Kamara a lot. I mean, shit, last year I said take Clyde Edwards Hilaire over there over him. I wish I could have that one back. Like, I've been against Alvin Kamara for majority of my fantasy football career, but when you watch this kid play, he's just unstoppable and. You don't think he's strong, but then you watch him just truck the shit out of somebody, and you go, "Holy shit! I didn't know Kamara exactly. could do that." Like for his size, he he runs with power. He's the goal line back. There. He is balance. He is pass catching. He is. It's remarkable what he can do with the ball. And for me, it's it's Sean. It comes back to what I'm going to keep hitting that you know just hammering that down. It's Sean Payton. I trust this head coach. This is an offensive mastermind in the NFL. He has been for years and years and years. And I trust that he's going to get the most out of his best players. And his best player is without a doubt Alvin Kamara by a landslide. All right. So moving on, is Adam Troutman a breakout candidate for this year? And does any other pass catchers hold any value, do you guys think, in this offense? Um, I mean, Troutman, as far as tight ends go, yeah, he's worth he's worth the dart throw because he could go into top 10 territory. So, I mean, that's fine. As far as other pass catchers, I mean, uh, no. I. If it is Jameis going into week one, I'll I'll take a Traquan Smith. I'll take whoever their wide receiver two is going out because James somebody Winston, can cut. James Winston slings the ball like no other. So I mean, they're definitely worth the roster roster spot. But as far as like wanting to own any of them, no. Outside of Thomas and Kamara, I'm like you said, I'm kind of off that offense. Yeah, I think Troutman is the only one I w- might take a swing at in like the later later rounds if I'm going running or if I'm going tight end by committee. And I just think that the way they use their tight ends there, it's mainly in the red zone. And I think you could bring some touchdown value, which is that's what you need at your, you know, revolving door at tight end. So I wouldn't hate it, you know, in the later rounds. But none of the other pass catchers for me. And I and I agree with everything said it has said. I love Adam Troutman as a late round tight end. That's six six build. And we've just seen Sean Payton just utilize tight ends left and right. I mean, he's made Jared Cook incredibly fantasy relevant for years. So but um yeah, outside of him, nothing. Nothing. Not a single guy. 
All right, last thing for the Saints. Do you guys think that Latavius Murray will hold any value in, you know, as a flex in 2021? Like standalone value. Um, I mean, for a guy who in eight games last year he had more than double digit carries. Like he they do in a weird way have a committee there. Latavius Murray does get carries, but as far as value on that goes, he doesn't do too too much with it. So outside of a Kamara injury, I don't think he's really worth a starting roster spot. I think he's somebody you should take towards the end of your draft just to see what this new offense does because they might lean on the run a little bit more with this uncertainty at quarterback. You know, I mean, look, even if it is Winston that gets a starting job, he is turnover prone. Sean Payton's going to try to limit that. So he could be interesting, but I agree with Ryan. I, I wouldn't be expecting anything outside of a Kamara injury. Yeah, he just gets all those crappy touches. You know, he knows, like you were saying, Kamara, he is the goal line back, and so is Taysom Hill. So I don't like him, and he has to, you know, someone has to go down for him to have any value. So standalone, I'm going to stay away. All, All right. right. So last but not least. Definitely not least. The Tom Brady Buccaneers will get started right with Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady a sneaky value in 2021? And can he finish as a top six overall? Is it really sneaky value with Tom Brady? I mean, I know he's like 500 years old, but. Well, he's going right now as the QB nine, so I would say yes. I would say yes too. He was the QB seven last year. I mean, age is not a factor when it comes to him. He's got the best weapons in the league when it comes to like adding everything together. Mike Evans is the most underrated receiver. Chris Godwin can hold his own, and Antonio Brown, outside of being crazy, is one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's the best wide receiver anymore, but yeah, he he has been good. That's for sure. Yeah, for me, I definitely think Tom Brady is valuable. I mean, this is like. This section shouldn't be too long of a discussion. They have every player coming back. The offense should look identical to last year, and they did have some little ups and downs in the beginning, but as soon as they came back from their bye week, it was full steam ahead. No one can stop that offense. So I'm all in on the Bucks. Only twice in his career he's finished as not a QB1. And I think, are you guys ready for the bold prediction? Go ahead. I think he might be a top. I think he's a top five quarterback I think this he year. is too. I mean, you factor in the weapons that this kid has. So he's not even a kid. This is, this is Father Time himself. <laughs> this, this, this God amongst us. Yes. And I mean, but here's, here's what it all comes down to. Look at the history of quarterbacks with Bruce Arians and what they do in their second year. Bruce Arians has one of the weirdest systems to get used to. And in the second year, all, majority of every quarterback that has played with them has had their career best year. His second year, Carson Palmer. You know, we saw Roethlisberger take a step forward his second year. You have so much evidence, and you got Tom Brady, one arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. It's not even arguable with at this point. A receiving core of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller. I like Tyler Johnson. Said it doesn't. He calls him a scrub. Whatever. <laughs> but you know, you look at all these. There's guys. a reason Gronk, you said his name last. Gronk, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard, Leonard Fournette, Keyshawn Vaughn. Ronald or Rojo. Like, there is just people on this The list goes offense. on and on. And How do you not expect And a buzzsaw this? of a defense. Yeah. I love Tom Brady. I think he is a smash value in redraft. I think if you're a contending team and you need, a, you need all your quarterback away, he is the best buy to go out. You pay a second-round pick in Dynasty if you're a quarterback away, and boom, you're a contender. Exactly. Obviously, if you have other pieces, you know, other holes on your team, you know, that, that wouldn't make too much sense. But... I, I love Tom Brady for the season. Yeah, I think he's he's a goat. I mean, you can't go wrong with Tom Brady. I think at least he'll finish top ten, and that's the least he is, just because of all those weapons. You know, there's just too much out there for him not to succeed with a great defense. All right, so moving on, we got uh, Leo Fournette versus Rojo. 
Which one is the back to own? And do you guys see any value in Keyshawn Vaughn? I'm going to say both. They're both the back to own because Bruce Arians is a weird head coach, as Chris was just saying. You yeah. never know what to do when it comes you to really him with running backs. So I think they'll both have great value. Uh, whoever comes out of the gate week one as the main guy, hey, all power to him. But Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, both fine to own. As far as Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, I threw that in there as a joke. <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> I don't think but Bruce Arians has already come out this offense and said he plans on getting him involved more. It's no, I, I, he said the same thing when you drafted yeah, him last year, too. Exactly. So. He says a lot of things. He says a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, he doesn't ever seem to be no. true. Ronald Jones and Fournette for me, and that's it. I think Fournette's the guy. And the reason why I think that is because Tom Brady thinks Fournette's the guy. Tom Brady, they didn't want to sign him. Tom Brady said, we need him. So what did they do? They went out and signed him. Um, I think that Fournette, out of the two, holds the highest pass-catching appeal, and that's something that works well with Tom Brady. That's something that works well with fantasy football in general. I... You look at what Fournette did in that playoff push, and I understand during the regular season, Leonard Fournette was borderline unplayable. I get that. But when the game was on the line, when it mattered, when things were kind of in the full swing, they went to Leo. And Leo didn't have an offseason with that team. He got signed pretty much, I, I want to say, it was when the season was already started. If not, it was very close to the season. It was season. very close, yeah. And so he didn't get a training camp. Not that anybody got a training camp last year. And he didn't get a chance you know, to get his feet wet in that offense. Now he's had a chance to do so. So, I agree. I don't think that one is, like, miles ahead of the other. I believe he's going to use them both. But I think that the pass-catching appeal is what would make me, if I had to take a shot on one of the two, I'd lean Fournette. Yeah, I'm staying away from probably both of them because I think that both of them are going to show some spike games. Both of them are going to take over as the lead back in certain games. But you'll never know which one. And that's the thing I, I don't like on my teams. And I also think with adding a veteran who's very, very good at pass blocking and unreal catching the ball and Gio Bernard, he's going to steal too many touches for either of these guys to be valuable. And, you know, and I think, I, and I agree with a lot of that, but at the same time, it's easy to say that I'm out on both of them until you're staring it down in the face come your draft and you're forced to pick. So my question you said uh, is which one would you pick if you were forced to? You know, you're in the seventh or eighth round right now of your redraft league. You only you have, have two running backs. You, you, yeah, you, you need a running back. Zach Moss. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. That's just wrong. Yeah, I just, I like, that's the thing. Like, these guys are both good. Like, I don't see a big difference in their skill set. I think they're both very, very good NFL running backs, and I think that almost hurts them. Like, in a lot of the running back by committee rooms, there's a guy I like more because he's more talented, because he's better at this, better at that. And I don't see the big difference with these two. And I think that it's going to be a roller coaster with which one is going to be the, you know, the actual lead guy week in and week out. Like, you know, one of you guys said that if Leonard Fournette comes out week one and he's their guy, like, I don't know if that's really going to change. I don't know if that's going to be what week two's like. So that's the biggest thing that makes me nervous. And right now, for the record, Rojo is going around RB26. Leonard Fournette is going around RB31. So I'm going to double down, and I'm going to say Fournette is my dude because I'm getting him later. All, All right. right. Fair enough. So next one will go, is this a uh, big tight end by committee team? You know, they have Gronk, OJ. They got Cameron Brait. And, you know, with all these guys coming back for injury and all of them coming back to the team, what tight end do you want to roster? Gronk. And that kind of list ends there. I think Gronk, I mean, closer to playoff time, really, because they're not going to hammer Gronk early in the season. They need him for that title push. So as far as tight ends to own there, not 
Not any of them, but Gronk, if you had to own one, is the guy for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm out on the tight end room there completely. I do think OJ Howard. You know, a lot of people don't realize before Gronk took off last year, OJ Howard was actually significantly, you know, carving out a role there. It just there were so many people there. It's too hard for him to be relevant. There's so many receivers there. It's hard enough for a tight end to hold relevance at all. I agree. If I have to take one, I'm going to go Gronk because he's got the touchdown upside because that's Brady's boy in the red zone. But I don't know if we're going to see last year Gronk just because OJ Howard and Cameron Brady are still there. Now, if another injury happens to OJ Howard, which does seem to happen quite frequently at that point in time, I would be in on Gronk. If there's no OJ Howard, I like Gronk. But without with OJ Howard being there, muddying up the room, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay away from pretty much all these guys. Similar to the running back room, they're all pretty skilled tight ends, and they you know aside from you know Cameron Brait, who's pretty much that pure blocking guy, they both have similar skill set and, and Gronk and OJ. Guy. Um, okay, so anyways, moving on. James but, Winston's guy. So I just I think that with with those two. You know, I when I'm looking at a, a tight end by committee, it's a guy who's going to be f- almost like the sole tight end on their team. I don't want to get in my tight end by committee from a tight end by committee team. Right. So the the main pass catchers I'm looking at, and honestly, the main fantasy options I'm looking at in Tampa is TB12, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and that that's where the list ends for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's just you know, that's I think in a perfect world, that's absolutely how you approach it. It's just we all know how it works come draft day. Sometimes you have to make these decisions, which is the only reason why I threw them out there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I like I would rather take one of Ryan's sleepers of the year, Big Irv, you know, instead of him, and he's going I, probably just as late. I would absolutely. He's the sole guy there. So, all right. So as I was talking about the receiving room, pretty crowded. Um, what do you guys expect from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in twenty twenty one? And do you prefer to have one over the other? And for me personally, my opinion switched. You know, I like the hype of Chris Godwin. I like the you know, 1,500-yard potential in Chris Godwin. Um, but Mike Evans is just consistent. No matter what, 1,000 yards. You're guaranteed it. It doesn't matter how many games he plays, how many catches he gets. He's getting 1,000 yards. He's getting five-plus touchdowns. That's the guy I prefer, definitely. Yeah, Mike Evans is probably the most underrated receiver in the league. He is a constant 1,000-yard-a-year guy. Um, I'm going Mike Evans all day. I am without a doubt easily going Chris Godwin because if you look at when you got Mike Evans right now, going off the board as wide receiver 13. You got Chris Godwin, not far behind, but wide receiver 16. So I'm getting him a little bit later. But here's a fun fact. When Chris Godwin was on the field last year, Mike Evans' targets were cut in half. You're looking at four targets per game. And, you know, he had a few games where he got up in that nine mark, but it wasn't often. Chris Godwin struggled with injuries all year last year. But every time those two were on the field together at the same time, it was clear as day the favorite target was Chris Godwin. And that's the reason. And I'm not trying to disrespect Mike Evans because I've done that too much and it's burned me. I don't think Mike Evans is bad. But the fact that I'm getting Chris Godwin, who typically does go in the slot, which I know, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go right back to last year's narrative. I know what Bruce Arian slot receivers do. I know what Tom Brady slot receivers do. So I'm going to get that guy a few picks later. I'm going to take that value. Yeah, I can't argue against that. But Mike Evans gets the money targets. Mike Evans gets the touchdown looks. Mike Evans gets the deep balls. Like So those four targets could end up to four catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I'm not discrediting Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans I think Mike Evans is worth being on your team because I do think he holds, you know, this is a high-powered offense that's going to have a lot of red zone looks, that's going to have a lot of, you know, opportunities to score. So he's going to have, he could have 10 touchdowns, easy. But for me, I'm going with the volume. I think the volume is going to be in Chris Godwin's hands. 
For as me, long as they're not broken. Yeah, the last thing I'll leave it on is I just think Chris Godwin had over 1,000 yards once in his career. Mike Evans has done it every year, six seasons in a row. I'm going to go with consistency over that, especially in the early rounds. You know, you can get those spike players a little bit later on, fourth through seventh round guys. I'm going to hit that consistency in my first receiver, second receiver for sure. You said wide receiver 13 versus 16? Yeah, they're yeah. going right around the same spot. Yeah, I'll definitely go Evans then. Yeah, they, That's not too much of a drop-off for very the value close. to be for me. They're incredibly close. I mean, you got to think wide receiver 13, wide receiver 16. That's probably, what, fourth round, I would say? Yeah. Fourth, fifth, yeah, around there. So Yeah, give me Mike Evans all day. All right, last thing with the Buccaneers. Is A.B. someone you should target late in your draft? Or does Scotty Miller have any sneaky value? AB Shout out Bill, Bowling Green State University. He should definitely be someone you're targeting late in your drafts. Wide receiver 43. Exactly. I, I will be reaching on Antonio Brown when it comes to redraft season because what he does when he is on the field is almost wide receiver one potential. He is Tom Brady's boy. Tom Brady seems to be the only person who could kind of hold him in line. So give me Antonio Brown like in the double-digit rounds all day if I can. Yeah, yeah, I love him in redraft for sure. I think the the biggest thing is him and Godwin remind me of a similar style of receiver. So I could think that they could be used interchangeably, whether it's in the slot, outside, in the backfield, you know, whatever it is. So I think Mike Evans has his role set in stone. Those two, like once A.B. came back off suspension, it was it was a crapshoot with who was getting the looks. And I do like A.B. a lot, especially for a flyer in the later rounds. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. If you get a guy with that kind of upside that late, especially, you know, you got – Chris Godwin, who has struggled with injury. Mike Evans has also struggled with injury. You know, there's a lot of guys. Football is a tough game. Players get hurt. And we know what Antonio Brown can do. So I'm all for taking him in the back end of your draft because the amount of upside that he holds, it's just, it's it's remarkable because he's if, still good. If you can get an every week starter in your double-digit rounds, that's, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, without a doubt. And he's sneaky. He was sneaky commanding targets. Oh, he was awesome. He, he was 14 that last game of the year. 36 yeah. fantasy points. I'm trying to find him so I can look at it. But, yeah, that's, you know, I, I think that he's a smash play towards, you know, the back end of your draft. Never so, had fewer than five targets in any of the games he played last year. So I take it you guys are out on Scotty Miller. I yeah. am out on yeah. Scotty <laughs> Like you were saying earlier with, like, you only like some players because there's too much to go around. There is too many good players to go around. Scotty Miller, he might have a flex role one week, but. Barring injury, I'm out on Scotty Miller. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Th- this is just a straight good team all around and I know that with Brady there with what they did last year this team is trying to win they don't care how it happens so I'm not targeting many other people besides the big three I named yep anything else with the Buccaneers I think that's a wrap well as you guys always can hit us up on any of the social medias at hitstick fantasy on Twitter Facebook Instagram Email whatever you want to do, as well as our own personals at Michael underscore Seta. At The Real Ryan Long. At Hitstick Chris. Hit us up. Get on this show. Let's answer some of your questions and get you guys ready to dominate your leagues this year. Let's do it. Good night, folks. Fuck you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, you fucking.